Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Millions of American evangelicals are praying for the state of Israel. Till Kingdom Come traces this unusual relationship between evangelical Christians and Jews and the state of Israel. Among them are the Binghams, a dynasty, an evangelical dynasty in Kentucky, who their congregants live in poverty in an old cold mining town in, in rural, as I said, rural Kentucky. The film also takes us to the halls of government in Washington through the moving of the American embassy into Jerusalem and the annexation plan for the West Bank. The film is called Till Kingdom Come, and we are so honored to have with us today the director and producer of the film, and that would be Maya Zinstein, I think I got that, and as well as the producer and cinematographer, A.B. Troen. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thank you for hosting us. Thank you. Wonderful to be here. Thank you so very much. I'll start with you, Maya, in terms of just the uh, inspiration for the film. What was it that prompted you to want to move forward with this project? So, yeah, I've been, you know, searching for my next project after I finished my previous film, Forever Pure. And uh, I've been asked to help on a different project where the Christian evangelicals were actually a small part in it. But that kind of brought me to look into this direction and to start to, to you know, to, to read about this. And I'm also a journalist as my on my background. And, you know, when I found myself for a month uh, reading till 5 a.m. about this uh, about this topic, I understood that probably I found something that is basically on the, on a, on the first level just was fascinating for me. Um, it also happened in summer 2017. It means that United States had a brand new president and it was very clear that he's heavily backed by this community and also that promises had been made through the campaign. Uh, so I kind of understood that there's things that are about to happen on the political level. And I thought that it would be a good time to, to explore the subject that, you know, there are books that has been written on that, but never a documentary been made about that. So, so yeah, I thought it would be very interesting and it's just a bond that needs to be told, and I hope that we succeed to do that. A.B. Tron, you're the uh, cinematographer and producer in the film. Uh, how did you come into this project? It started just over three years ago. Maya and I had lunch in a vegan restaurant in Tel Aviv, and she discussed with me the, you know, this idea of exploring how this group in the United States, the evangelical Christians, had actually a big impact on us sitting halfway across the world. Um, I myself, I'm a dual citizen. I'm American and Israeli. Um, so this film and, and topic matter are interesting to me for a whole you know, range of reasons. Um, and the next time I saw Maya was not in a vegan restaurant in Tel Aviv, but it was actually in Pastor John Hagee's mega church in San Antonio, Texas uh, for one of our research shoots. Um, and several days following that, we went on another research shoot which did not make the cut which was actually at Trump's estate in Mar-a-Lago uh, at the International uh, Fellowship of Christians and Jews Gala. Being in that space with a Trump emblem everywhere right in the grand ballroom and seeing the confluence of very very powerful uh, political leaders, religious leaders and and how money 
politics and the sense that uh, the prophecies of old are coming into imminent fruition, there was a sense that this is a really important story to follow and it's important to follow it now at this point in time. I will also, I just, you know, wearing the cinematographer hat and wearing very, very closely to Maya, what I appreciated was the desire to get intimate and understand who the different people were, what makes them tick to really present them with integrity uh, of their deeply held values and beliefs, even if, you know, audience members may think a whole range of, of things about them, but that, but that the camera would also do that and the storytelling would do that and get up close and intimate, that it wouldn't be just something that we see on the headlines, that this would actually be a human image behind those headlines. And that drew me to work with Maya and, and to make this project uh, come to life three years later. Two things to say about the film, Till Kingdom Come. One is, I'm so happy you were able to gain access to the people that you have in the film. They are, in my opinion, the leading lights of this relationship between evangelical Christians and Jews in the, the state of Israel. That You have John Hagee, you have, I don't want to get into the whole list, but there's there are a lot of these people who I, oh, I'm, I'm so happy that you were able to get this access. And I'm also very happy that you were able to get this level of access with the Binghams in, in Kentucky, because they're part of this kind of continuum, this arc of this understanding how powerful this particular movement is. The other thing I would say about the film, it is a Rorschach test for anyone watching it. I can imagine someone seeing this film and, and having a 180 degree different opinion about what they just saw, completely different, completely and understandably different. I see it a certain way, and I will be happy to share that opinion with you over the course of this conversation. But I understand why someone watching it in rural Kentucky would see this film very differently. Having said that, this goes back, this particular relationship with the evangelicals and American politics and the state of Israel, in my opinion, goes back to Ronald Reagan and forging a relationship with the Christian coalition way back when he ran for president and solidified over those many years. I also It also goes back to a, uh, an author by the name of Hal Lindsey, who back in the 1980s started writing these books about end times. And they were, I think to this day, they're the, the largest selling books in the history of the world outside of the Bible. They are the most read or most sold books in the history of literature, I believe. I may be wrong about that, but I don't think I'm too far off to say that. So this is, some, this is something that is embedded in our political, social, religious culture. And thank you for telling this story. I'll say it again. Maya, what in terms of how far you got into this and as you were going further into this story, is what I'm saying resonating with you as in terms of your own experience in all of this? First of all, I, I have to say that I really appreciate all your knowledge. I think it's you, you tap exactly to the topics that were, you know, I wasn't aware of all that when I started this journey. But as I was discovering that down the road, you know, I, I really understood how deep it goes. You know, it, it really goes to the very depth of the of the of the American society to the relationship between the United States and the state of Israel. And, you know, the, the, the questions that we, uh, the Jewish people <laughs> probably need to, need to ask ourselves about these new friends that suddenly we have 
Uh, and you know, as, as, a, as a small people that really used to be hated so much, what we do when someone comes to us and says, oh, we love you, and how we embrace it so quickly without actually asking questions, what it means, what this love means, you know, and, you know, this very ancient uh, question, is it good for the Jews or bad for the Jews? Be careful <laughs> what you wish for. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, and do we want to be loved so much, you know, in <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof, he says there uh, at some point, he says to God, can you please one time not to choose us? <laughs> so do we want to be, you know, chosen again and again and again? Um, so, yeah, you know, all these all these questions is something that I think we found ourselves asking ourselves down the road, because, you know, when when you look at this bond at the surface this is something that is also presented for us in a very specific way and the word uh, love is constantly used so right so when you approach that you the answer that you receive is that we love you and i think after you hear it at the 10th time you start to ask yourself but what it actually means and you know it's a question that we're not used to ask about the word love we just you know if someone loves us we're just taking it and, and I think these questions was the beginning, were the beginning of our uh, journey to ask people, but what it actually means when you say to us that you love us? And the answers were, there were various questions, answers on that, but I think the most honest one, uh, when some young evangelical told us at the beginning of the journey, he said to me, you know, Maya, you need to understand that. When they say to you that they love you, they mean that they love Jesus. It's really not about you. And you need to understand that you have a role in our story and you are the key and, and we cannot make it without you. But you know what happens with the key when the door is open, you don't need it anymore. And I think at that point, it was a kind of something that, you know, I started to understand uh, the world that we are exploring. And, and I, I started to understand also that we need to ask questions that are really basic, you know, and try to really to, to paint a new picture of what we used to see, if that makes sense. Well, let's talk about some of the basic things that are in the in the film. I think uh, it would be difficult to talk about this without talking about the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews. And, and let me say this. Look, there's a lot of great work, a lot of good things to be said about any philanthropic organization that is willing to do a lot of what we see in the film. I have no problem at all with it, but it's it's what's what is also kind of the attendant political opportunism of the people in that orbit, and taking something that is pure and and good. Almost everyone in this film has a specific agenda, right? Some of it's fantastic, some of it's wonderful, and the other isn't so much. And it's hard to see when you're. When you're up close, when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see. The film, in my opinion, helps us get get some distance, pull us, us back a little bit in a very subtle way. But I do want to acknowledge that the International Fellowship of Jew Christians and Jews, AB or, or whoever wants to take that question, what do you what would you say about them if you if you were to be asked the question, what is what is that particular organization doing and, and why? 
as, as you said yourself, the International Fellowship does not only do good work, they do incredible work. You know, they help Holocaust survivors, people underneath the poverty line, um, different marginalized groups. And that is really important to establish that off the bat. I think here are a couple pointers, ways to, to think about it in the work that they do beyond, beyond the wonderful deeds on the ground. The International Fellowship of Christians and Jews is the title of the organization in the United States and abroad. Inside Israel, it is just called the fellowship. And the omission of Christians from the way the organization is called in Israel is intentional. It's not a mistake. And I think that is inherent, as you said, in this relationship, that they have different audiences and they need to do a kind of double speak depending on who they're speaking to and what the work is that they're doing. There are so many anecdotes to share about that kind of work, and I can give you one, and you can make of it what you will. One of our shoots was actually following Yael Eckstein, the now president of the organization, as she welcomed on the ground at Ben Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv an airplane that the fellowship had helped donate to with several hundred new immigrants from the former Soviet Union who were making what in Hebrew is called Aliyah, which means they were essentially immigrating to Israel, leaving the Ukraine, um, or as through an evangelical prism, they were fulfilling the prophecy of old, um, of the Jewish returning to the Holy Land promised to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and their descendants. At this event, President Benjamin Netanyahu was present for a photo op, because at that time, Israel was headed to the elections, and he wanted the opportunity to have his image on screen with hundreds of new immigrants coming from the former Soviet Union to say, specifically to Russian voters in Israel's domestic politics, to say, I have your back. Yael Eckstein was pointing the camera to this to these new immigrants arriving with their suitcases, their children, some of them their pets in little boxes, all wearing shirts saying, thank you, even, you know, Christians and Jews, pointing the camera and speaking to her audiences, many of whom, you know, or were in the United States and was saying, look how your money is bringing prophecy to life. Praise God, it's happening. The immigrants who were getting off the airplanes did not care for Benjamin Netanyahu's agenda. They certainly did not understand that they were playing into a theological, eschatological um, uh, faith system taking place thousands of miles away in the United States. They were just arriving and had someone to pay their way to a new apartment as they arrived in this new country. And I think that this anecdote encapsulates things that we saw anywhere from, from that moment to an embassy moving in Jerusalem to events happening in the White House and the Trump peace plan, which had very, very concrete effects for the lives of Jews, Israelis, and Palestinians, Muslims, and Christians living um, in Israel. So, you know, I think when we break it down to different pieces, what starts is the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews, wonderful philanthropic work, actually has a ripple effect and is, is part of a far greater context, which we can tackle from a whole uh, number of different directions. Boy, that's a fantastic answer. And I will just inject one thing, and please correct me if I'm wrong. But one of the, one of the uh, side effects of the immigration of Soviet Jews into Israel has been to turn the political landscape into a much more conservative political landscape. And that's certainly to Netanyahu's particular perspective. 
a winner for him, but it has had a, I would, I don't know if it's a profound effect on Israeli uh, political uh, fortunes, but it has had an impact. And there's been a lot of Russian over the last decade or so, a lot of Russian money coming into Israel as well, which has had another impact on the politics. So there are, as you, I'm so glad you brought that into our conversation because there are, it's, it is, you can look into this mirror and see almost anything you want to see. And I, so, I mean, I just can't tell you how much I appreciate this film and what you're doing with this film, because I, I think I know a little bit about the situations that you're describing, but to see it in real time, to see it, it's, it frightens me. I mean, I'll be honest with you. This scares me because I think there's, we're, this is kind of a train that no one will know how to stop. If it go, what's the end game here? Are we hoping for the end of the world here? Are we hoping for some kind of apocalyptic event? Is that what we're hoping for? Really? That's what we want. I mean, I, I don't know that, I'm, you know what I'm saying here, Maya? I mean, am I, Am I going crazy here? But I just, I don't know what to say to this. No, I, I don't think you're going crazy. I do think, and that's what bothers me the most, I think, that no one actually asks what the end game here. And that's something that, you know, that scares me as an Israeli. Uh, the question where of the next war is not if, but it's when. It, you know, we all know that we, we're a China store here. And, and you need really to, to act here really carefully. And sometimes it feels to me that what comes out of this, um, of the push that the Christian evangelical community does for the American administration, what it can do, it's almost like, you know, an elephant that moves here. And it, it, and, and it can be extremely, extremely dangerous, you know, and I, you know, on a very personal level, I have a brother that is in the reserve forces of the IDF. So he will go and fight the next war. And I'm asking myself in the name of whom he will fight the next war yes. and, and why the Bible, you know, and of course I know where I live, you know, and I understand this place. And of course I, I, I have the, the whole appreciation for the Holy book. Uh, but I do think we need to remember that there are people here and now on the ground here, Israelis and Palestinians that live at the very present and actually more afraid of the very nearest future and ask themselves, what is our future? You know, if this conflict will continue, how this place will look like in 20 years, does it mean that we always need to live in war here? Um, how many generations of this place will, uh, will live in, in war? So, so, you know, and when you see all these really nice people and, you know, in, in the Christians United for Israel summit, and there were lovely people there. That's, that are sent to the Capitol Hill to lobby. United States will cut the aid to the Palestinians. When on the same time, all the security community of Israel says that that's extremely, that's an extremely dangerous move, right? Because the Israeli security community understands what it means for us to have a humanitarian crisis on our borders. And when they are still doing that, and, you know, and, and then a month later of this event that AB and I filmed, Trump actually cuts the aid to the Palestinians. So you ask yourself, isn't it actual support, you know? And I think that's, you know, what scares me the most is basically what they did. They now own the word of the support of Israel, yeah. you know? Yeah. If you're not with them, it means that you are not supporting Israel. But actually, they supporting a very specific right-wing agenda. 
about yeah. this place and yeah. and what they would perceive as as a support many people in israel would not perceive as support at all they would actually see it as a very dangerous moves that they're doing here and no and no one asks us do we want <laughs> do we want uh, that they will do that you know they're just doing that this was told to me many years ago and that is that american foreign policy is really just an extension of our domestic policies our domestic politics and this is what comes across in this film is really you know i'll be honest i don't think most americans could i mean we don't care about the rest of the world generally speaking we don't but we have this incredible political engine inside of the american body politic called the evangelical movement which is well funded well uh, it's a, it's a pr juggernaut it, there are so many things about it that is driving a policy that is of one mind and that is that the about the state of israel whether the reuniting moving the capital to jerusalem these are all fulfillment of biblical prophecy now i i know there's some nuances here i know i'm going a little over the top here but yeah. This or something here that is just it, it it's not it's not I don't I don't I'm I'm go well, ahead Amy what do you want to say I'm sorry well, I, I just wanted to say I think it's really 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 important just specifically when we speak of um, you know any group of of people in, in broad terms we need to to remember that also yes. you yes. know evangelicals are not a monolith right yes. so like you know whereas in Catholicism you have one pope. In evangelicals, every pastor can, yeah. you know, open his or her, usually his, um, own particular strain, faith, yeah. um, message. So that there is a wide variety within there also in the way they interpret the eschatology um, and the rest yeah. of it. I think within that, the, the on the political level, um, there are several factors that unite, in, again, in broad brushstrokes, unite all of them. And that includes anti-LGBT legislation or, you know, the definition of marriage. Um, it includes a strong pro-life agenda and it includes the state of Israel. And in many ways, you know, this has become a call to arms and also a way that unites people. So whether you're a small church in Appalachia or you have a mega church in Texas or, you know, even in California, you could find your brethren and surround yourselves around cer certain political focal points. Right. And I think honestly, the thing to bear in mind for, and this is true for conservative listeners you may have or progressive ones, that this is part of the fabric of the United States. Yeah. It affects foreign policy and it is domestic politics. Faith is part of what makes America, America. And it's not something that you can turn a blind eye to. It's something that America and Americans will need to wrestle with um, looking into the future. 2020 should not have been some sort of surprise, right? You know, maybe we're now in this reckoning moment of why do things look the way they are? Um, but the case of Israel is just a canary in the coal mine to some. Um, and it is a great case study. Uh, for others to figure out what does it mean to be American? What does American democracy look like? And again, I say that oddly enough as an Israeli, it's so strange if we play into the evangelical imagination, we're actually a great way to explore American identity as well. Thank you. And thank you for reeling me in. I, I agree. I agree with you. My hero in the film, by the way, is uh, 
the uh, pastor of the church in, I believe it's in Jerusalem. Is it Mother Mother Isaac? Am I am I saying that right? Is that correct? In Bethlehem, in Bethlehem, not okay. in Jerusalem. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, he's <laughs> thank you. Um, in Bethlehem, you said yeah. Um, is it Murther uh, Isaac? Munder Munder Isaac. Munder Isaac. He's my hero in the film. And uh, I, I just thought he he brought a perspective that was was an incredibly important part of the telling of this story. In fact, I think he was the one who was most grounded in the reality of the situation to me. So, I thank you for bringing his voice into this film. I I you know I I really appreciate that that Reverend Isaac agreed um, to be in this film. I think he's a, he's a very bright uh, man, and and I think what. You know he's he's very genuine in what he says. I think you know I think that the Palestinian people suffering a lot from this from this uh, cooperation. That's the truth. You know they I think many of them feel, especially the Christian community, uh, feel that they're almost forgotten by their brothers in United States. And and I would never speak on their behalf, but that's the feeling that I'm receiving. You yeah. know from from conversations. And yes, of course. My approach to that is is an is Israeli, but you know we live here together in this land. And yes, I do I do think that the, the occupation that just <laughs> never ends. <laughs> I don't know when it, when it will end. I think they they the, the suffer of the Palestinian people from that is is something that extremely bothers me on a personal level. And we need we has to think on that. Uh, we cannot keep ignoring that. And unfortunately, what we saw in the last four years with the Trump administration and Mike Pompeo visiting the settlements and says that the Israeli settlements are not per se, how he said it exactly, not per se illegal, something like that. This is something it was, that... It was a, yeah, a twisting of words to make it work. It was really changing the American policy towards the settlement questions of, uh, you know, policy of, of years. And you understand what stands behind it. And that's, I think it's extremely disturbing. Thank you for that answer. And thank you so much for, uh, for, for spending some time with us today. There is a fantastic documentary you may be, I'm sure you're aware of, called The Law in These Parts, um, the, uh, the Israeli filmmaker. You also did one on the intelligence, the five intelligence uh, um, officials who spoke up about those two, in addition to this film, will, I think, really, if you're interested in The Law in These Parts, and I've forgotten what the other... Gatekeepers, the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers, thank you. That, with this film... Honestly, if you if our listeners want what a kind of a, a broad based understanding of, of what was happening in and around the state of Israel. And um, I think that's a good place to start. I want to thank you, uh, Maya Shinstein, for your work, as well as A.B. Troen for your work on this film, Till Kingdom Come. It is out this week. Friday, February 26th, and you can go to the website for that, and that would be <laughs> killkingdomcomefilm.com to find out more about the film, how you can watch it. It's going to be a, at the Lemley Virtual Theater release here in Los Angeles and a virtual release all over the country. Please watch this film, and thank you so very much for your time today on Film School Radio. And my thank you for that, for this wonderful conversation. It was, it was really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, A.B. Thank you so much, Mike.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.